Right, so this is episode 53 now, and uh, obviously we are back on with Construction Man Pete, who is <laughs> all out, just, you know, he's never out of the hardware store at the moment, this guy. How's it going, my friend? Uh, I think you said it right, man. Yeah, I am stuck in a purgatory of construction zone. It's an, it's pretty intense for sure. I sent you that. Uh, I sent you that video the other day. You were like, "Hey, uh, oh. what are you what are you up to?" And I was like, "Here, let me show you exactly what what my current hell is." Hey, <laughs> you should, I wish you could have seen my reaction to that. Oh, honestly, I was in absolute stitches. Just send you a message, just going, "Hey, you know, are you in a situation you can podcast." I just got this video back where he just starts in his podcast room and like just turns three foot to the left and there's someone with, with a circular saw or something. Honestly, you should have heard noise, but I was just like, I'm guessing that's a no then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been crazy. Like they literally were like cutting a hole in the wall to put a different door in. And uh, yeah, and today there's paint. You know, it's it, these are all positive things. I'm trying to stay positive, but I just got off another call where because they were spraying paint the entire time all you heard was the smoke alarms going off because it detected uh, the paint and i'm sitting there trying to act normal being like please ignore my my current chaos and uh, oh, let's no. carry on <laughs> no how much that don't work for you i know how much you hate that stuff but yeah uh, you always yeah. you always seem to be for these uh these these sort of construction situations where we end up on a zoom and you're just looking at me with fiery eyes going <laughs> i can't believe what the hell is going on here <laughs> i mean there's still that story that i'd love to tell but it is just too disgusting no that's <laughs> definitely not for public <laughs> consumption <laughs> That's that's the kind of conversation you have like with very close friends only when you're at a bar, <laughs> and there's no food for miles. <laughs> Your wife's response, though, that was. <laughs> oh Lord! Anyway, we'll have to move on from that. Otherwise, people are yeah. going to be like, "What? What did happen there?" Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been really nice to see on Twitter that people's tickets have started to arrive. That's oh, yeah. been that's been nice, yeah, and it really brings it home. Our uh, how close it's getting <laughs> but um yeah lots of people getting excited and um you know wanting to show that the tickets have turned up so you know it's sort of reigniting that buzz again really and it, it's nice because i feel it too do you know what i mean it sort of just makes it feel a little bit more real although it's you know it, it, it is it is remarkably close now remarkably close yeah, yeah. Uh, public service announcement. If you're excited about your tickets, uh, don't take a picture of your tickets and put them on Twitter because that barcode can then be printed and used. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can it, Andrew? Oh, bless. <laughs> uh, I saw somebody that had posted a thing saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to the gig in, in Scotland. Right. And, and, and so I can't make the Temple Newsome one. Does anybody want to buy these tickets? And I was thinking, uh, somebody's already going to use those tickets now. <laughs> All right. Oh, gosh. You know, we don't need that, do you? Technology. Um, but yeah, I am super excited about the gig. And I'm glad that you're actually practicing now and things are actually starting to uh, come. Have you guys, uh, I, I'm sure you haven't all met as a group yet but what are your thoughts about up and coming practices and even like you said the opportunity to possibly practice with Stu, you know on a, on a together like doing the remote like you you know practicing together i think that would be super cool to, to yeah oh, that'd be that'd be really cool yeah i mean we've we've got we've yet to do that last uh last dance live stream haven't we that's coming up this week but yeah, yeah. it might be cool to to get Stu on as well i'd be up for that um, but yeah, in terms of our rehearsal schedule, I mean, we're only just getting to the stage now where we're sort of deciding that and it's looking like sort of um, March, April time, I think we're going to be going in. But yeah, I mean, we're obviously we're 
there's all sorts of stuff going on in terms of what we're talking about and all the stuff we've got to get ready and all it's it's little stuff as well like um you know for example tracks like strength in numbers and quite a few other ones off the third album um you know we use like track live do you know what i mean like all the pianos and other bits i did and obviously on strength it's the the big synth riff there that's on the computers so there's all there's all that side to sort out do you know what i mean which which we're only just getting to really but it were interesting really because i thought that it, it, it started making me think about the sort of origins of that sort of third album really and how it came about to sound like it did and how we came about to sort of make it in the way that we did and all those sorts of things so i thought it might be nice to sort of um start talking about that process really although you know i suppose there's elements of it that weren't great in terms of the process but you know it's all part of the story so to speak isn't it yeah yeah good point yeah it doesn't have to be all uh you know what do they say rainbows and puppies you know but it's well, good to- well, I mean, well exactly i mean i think it was i don't know how much i've talked about the kasabian tour in america really i mean there's I mean, there's all sorts of stories from that in general, really. But I like, I, I mean, it, I think that coincided with a point with us where we were we were all wanting to do something slightly different in terms of the music we were making. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what separates Strength in Numbers from the other two records, really, is that I think it was, it was born out of a different... Um, I don't. It, 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 well, it was just born in a very different way, if you know what I mean. And it, it, as I say, it, it mainly came about from us being effectively kind of jaded on our own instruments, I think. And I, well, I know that certainly applies to me, and I know that kind of applies to Rob as well, because obviously we'd we'd made two amazing records off the back of us jamming. Do you know what I mean? And and writing in that in that sort of format, all four of us being in a room and just making noise all day. And then slowly over time, those those ideas formed into something much more cohesive. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, so I mean, I I just became jaded with the way I was playing guitar. And it just felt that everything was kind of sounding the same. And, you know, it, we I became really stagnant. Do you know what I mean? In terms of my output and how I viewed the ideas I was coming up with and stuff like that. And as I say, I mentioned the Kasabian tour primarily because I think it was, um, well, we were in Rhode Island, actually. Really, really, really amazing place, actually. I loved walking around that place. Absolutely loved it. And we were there with Kasabian and we were on a day off and we were in a little restaurant actually all four of us. And I just remember saying to everyone, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm bored of, the way that my guitar sounds and the way I'm sort of playing guitar and I want to, you know, I want to start playing keyboards. Do you know what I mean? Well, not sort of, not backing keyboards, do you know what I mean? But just use a different instrument to yeah. to sort of create melody and riffs and stuff like that because I, I, I felt that I'd become very one-dimensional in the way I was playing guitar. Um, and that, you know, in retrospect, well, I mean, it is what it is really. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some people who sit who be sitting there thinking they wish the third album was a lot more guitar driven. But when you listen, interestingly enough, when you listen to it, it, it it's not. Do you know what I mean? Not in the same way that the other records were. I mean, you know, there's lots of guitar layers and things um, on tracks, but 
I don't know if you can probably tell that it they weren't the tracks weren't necessarily born from those riffs, and that became a, that that I, I think I've said before where it, it became an issue when it came to sort of getting those tracks ready to play live. It were like, well, you know, in some instances, it's kind of hard to know which bit I'm doing. Do you know which bit I'm going to play? Whether I'm going to, you know, whether I'm going to use my guitar to interpret the stuff I've done on keyboards or synth. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. whether I'm, you know, what I'm going to do in that regard? Because you know, as I probably said before, a lot of it's kind of at the end of the day, it's got to come from your own enthusiasm for for your own ideas. Do you know what I mean? And I, I remember someone saying to me once. I remember someone saying to me once. You know, if if you don't really believe in your ideas, then why would you expect anyone else to? Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, there's no point going up to someone and going, well, is this good? You know, it's like, well, you tell me, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want, I, you know, it, if you go to someone with that sort of positivity around your own idea, it's sort of, I think it grows in a different way. But yeah, um, and I remember anyway being in on in um, that restaurant and saying I want to do stuff that's more keyboard based um, just to, you know, not 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 necessarily even through to making the record it would just i just you know in practice for a while i'm just going to start jamming on a keyboard instead of playing guitar and that that basically you know like i say just just to just as a way of trying to inspire myself i think as much as anything do you know what i mean when it when it had become kind of that stagnant in the way i was feeling about my own playing and by that point we you know tore the hell of a lot all that sort of stuff so it really was about trying to spark something what I find interesting about that is there, and there have been some famous guitar players that have done that same thing. Van Halen is a, I used to be a huge Van Halen fan when I was younger and uh, Eddie Van Halen did the same thing. Like he did several albums of just, you know, the classic rock stuff. And, and then all of a sudden he's like, I think I want to play keyboard. And, mm. uh, you know, I, it, I was, and initially I was a little thrown off and I was like, whoa, but he eventually started making some really amazing stuff and still played guitar, of course, but um, just definitely incorporated, you know, yeah. the, the uh, keyboard into their sound and yeah uh, and, yeah yeah and that matured over the years so is there a parallel you think you know with musicians in general that guitar players tend to also you know gravitate towards keyboards as well well i don't i mean i i think it's interesting because i think sort of uh, playing keyboards sounds a little bit too linear to me because i think it will instill images in most people of someone either really static doing textural things all the way over to like a rick wakeman style thing which is not my bag do you know what i mean and that's not for me it's just, i don't even see it as a keyboard at that moment it was just frustration it was literally just like look i'm sick of the sound of my guitar i just am do you know what i mean and there's people might find that i, I don't know but it, it was just a fact uh, i was sick of the how, how i was playing it and it just felt like even could lay something down on another instrument first it might make me play guitar differently and i think as you know as much as anything i think it's easier to judge it from a point of view to look at it as or even think about it in the sense of what i was thinking at the time was i wanted and this is again this is kind of uh, speaking personally but the, the I was getting, re I was really into stuff like Massive Attack, and I was really into Depeche Mode, and I was getting really into electronic music with great melodies. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And, and 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 great songs. And Depeche Mode was a, a huge fueling element to it, really. And I mean, Strength in Numbers has got Depeche Mode written all over it in loads of different ways, in the way that synth yeah. riffs are used and stuff like that. Because tons of their records are absolutely amazing, but stuff like Violator and um, you know, you put that on with a great set of headphones or a great hi-fi and just uh, the, you know, the sheer, I mean, every sound is like a, 
fucking sweet or you know what i mean every sound is like it's tangible and it's got its own place and it's just um a proper sonic experience is violator and that record um among with uh, among many others as i say things like um massive attack and um the cure even yeah the cure as well but obviously i mean the cure not necessarily very electronic so that sort of goes outside what i'm saying but that, that was still around at the time but yeah i mean rather than thinking oh i don't want to play a keyboard instead of a guitar that's too simplified it's reductive it, it was much more extensive uh, i see a, a, you know a different sound for this record because i think the, i think the problem was as well was it was i mean this it was born out of necessity really because we got to the point where we were practicing and we were going to practice and it it wasn't happening. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. happening and um it was it was it was toxic in a sense. Um not necessarily that we were toxic with each other, almost that we were toxic with ourselves and what we were creating and there was mm. just a a distinctive lack of vibe because, you know, because we'd been mining from a certain area for, for, you know, for an amount of time. And, you know, it, Rob was struggling to get vibed up about stuff. And obviously, you know, if Rob's not vibed up, he's, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be thinking melodically and mm. coming up with stuff. And yeah, it, I mean, it felt like a, it was, it was, it was a very different way of doing things. And I mean, we've always been very strong about what we wanted to do and our own identity and stuff. But in that scenario, we had to try something different. And that was instead of conceptualizing the song, so to speak, um, instead of doing that as a group, what we basically did is me and Rob went off and that, that that's when I got my first in, introduction into pro tools, even at like a, you know, sem, a, a semi-amateur level. Uh, in terms of using it and stuff, but because I'd already we'd already made two records, and I mean, whenever I've been in the studio, I mean, not just when we made the the just the main records, but even demos going back to God knows when. Uh, I, I watched, you know, what I mean, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be watching producers and why are you doing that? What's that doing? What are you doing? Blah blah. blah. And picking up stuff and you know working with the great producers I've worked with, working with Brendan O'Brien and Jim Abbas and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was at a point where I was like, well, I want to just get into my own headspace and do this stuff because I've got great ideas, but I don't feel I can bring them out necessarily in the band environment, really, because I can't show them as I hear them in my head. So that's why me and Rob kind of went off and started writing like that in that sense. And, and the plan was that we go away and effectively, so we do it in reverse rather than the music growing up and then the song forming around that we wanted to try forming the song first and then letting you know the the music form around that effectively okay. you know what i mean okay. we were trying we were trying to write the song first rather than it's that well, it's hard to explain i mean it sounds simple to me but maybe i'm sounding really sort of um you know conflicting in terms of what i'm saying but but you're saying basically that you would essentially write the core of the song that could then might turn out to be something completely different once the production yeah. part comes in, but you're writing basically the, the DNA of the song, the, the core part of it, of the melodies and, and, exactly. and how the song, and then later you add on all of the, the bells and whistles and exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. You know, stuff, stuff like drugs and well, I mean, we'll talk about it, but so yeah, it was a different way of doing things and it, it just, it opened up so many more possibilities. That was the main thing. And so the keyboard element that I'm talking about is probably slightly secondary, really, because that's just like, well, I can use something else to make noise. Um, but it, it was more about like 
rather than waiting to actually get in the studio properly in a massive studio to try out all these ideas i can just do it at home do you know what i mean because technology was advancing a lot at that point and it yeah. was the rise of home studios and little pro tools boxes that you could run up to you know run 32 channels with loads of plugins going and you could get you could get some you know good tracks going so that's 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 essentially what we did i mean there's lots more conversations probably to be had about that topic in itself about that that thought of that conscious move to well you know it's not really working is it so we need to try something else that's a simple thing was it wasn't working anymore we needed to try something else i find that like fascinating that you know because pro tools is very complicated and it's very complex like there there are many aspects to it and you um and just in general like with computers it's not that's never been like your forte like you're you're a serious musician. I, I find it fascinating that you dove into such a complex and technical application uh, and and fought through and actually created some very professional and amazing songs. Like that must have, I'd love to be a fly on the wall or maybe I wouldn't have seen to watch you go through the process of learning that and creating the songs that you created. Cause I mean, just to never use it. And then all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to make an amazing album. That's, that's such a strange thing. Well, yeah um yeah to be honest hyper focus is i think the thing that you could uh, pinpoint there um and yeah i am an absolute contradiction in a lot of ways because like you say your image of me would be very sort of technophobe almost in the sense that i don't like well and i don't really but when 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 i want something that badly I can, my mind will let me do it. It sounds stupid. Like if it's all to do with maths, my mind won't let me do it. If it's all to do with history, my mind's all over it. It wants to know. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same with like, so I'm sat there going, I've, I've got this burning desire to, to sit at home, you know, because it was when I've heard about how Prince made music, it's like, you know, Prince will just sit there in his studio and just layer everything up himself. He'll start with a beat, put bass line down, put some guitar down, put vocals down. And that just proper kept, captured my imagination. And then the same thing, Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor, you know, um, works in a similar, you know, has worked or does work. I think he does work in a very similar way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All, all Nine Inch Nails comes out of his head and uh, he'll just sit there in, his, in the studio and let his mind run wild and just come out with his, those tracks. And I think ever since I learned that, that kind of really set my imagination on fire because as i say you know all these tracks that i'm making now all this stuff that i, I hear and then go and lay down i've always heard that stuff do you know what i mean it's just been it's been that horrible frustration never having a way to get it out and that's what me delving into pro tools uh which i mean that, that as a fact coincides with the band sound shifting really through through necessity as we've just talked about because it had gone stale um yeah, well, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear because you know, and I, I wasn't in the UK or in places where it was being played on the radio so frequently, or or could really understand like how popular a certain album did. Because I've heard you say many times that you know, Welcome to the North wasn't you know as uh, you know successful in the in the eyes of say a record company than mm -hmm. the first album. Whereas I thought it was equally as good, and it was had such. I mean, track after track was just amazing. And then the third album comes out again, no reference of of success. Just as someone who's on the other side of the world, just listening to it, going like, "Wow, this is a totally different sound." Uh, but it 
you know, and, and it took me a little bit longer to, to, to really appreciate it because it was very different, but much like oh. yourself, I love Depeche Mode. I love The Cure and I could definitely hear a, a darker vibe on the third album and I couldn't yeah. put my finger on it. Um, but yeah, the holy cow. And I can't wait till we do a walkthrough of all the songs eventually. I know we're going to do that with Welcome to the North. Uh, and then later, hopefully we can do it with, um, with strength because my goodness, there's so many songs on that album that are so different from the other stuff. Like it's just like almost almost a different genre but it's yeah, yeah, so yeah. good yeah. yeah man um well yeah i mean we have talked a bit about the the the, the three records and the relative success or whatever i mean um it's difficult really to judge in, in one sense because the, uh, the the music industry well let me do that again it was difficult to judge in one sense because it was it, it all coincided with music being well to all intents and purposes ripped off streamed you know what i mean so album sales were decreasing and i remember some people saying well you know it's proportional really and it's like well you know it's still still a bit like uh well <laughs> this, isn't, this is, isn't the trajectory we hoped for i mean we've talked i've referenced it many times the the sort of um you know the the promises we had over the second album and its success in america and all that stuff um you know we we we'd i'm sure all that played a role in beating us into a point where we would just i don't know man just burn out like we said like i'm sure when rob came on he, he talked about it, we would you know we were all just so burnt out and for me this i had to do i had to do it do you know what i mean otherwise i were gonna god knows what but i had to thought right i'm gonna get myself a pro tool set up and like you say learn how to use it now again don't underestimate me when i say when i'm in, when i've been in studios which obviously have all been running pro tools and there's always a pro tools operator I've, i'm hanging over that motherfucker's shoulder <laughs> i'm not sat at the back of the room listening to it. i'm hanging over his fucking shoulder going what are you doing what's that do oh, all, right, all right yeah 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 i mean that you know that that's what a lot of the time that's what fueled the stuff that i ended up buying was those experiences like going into a studio with not only the producers, but the engineers and the Pro Tools guys and the stuff that they were using. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, for example, I mean, you know, strength in numbers, the actual track itself, do you know what I mean? And that main main riff, that came from a call Triton. Now, again, as I say, uh, I can't remember exactly what session there was a Korg Triton on, but I remember one session, there was a cog trying anyway, I'm messing about with it. And I came across this, this patch, you know, this setting. And I was messing about with that. And I was just like, you know, I've got a great idea here. And I thought, well, I'll tell you what, I'll buy one. Do you know what I mean? I thought I'll get me sent a cog try and then fair enough. So, so that ended up with me going into the first time I've ever bought anything used, which I mean, to be honest, it's not something I do really, because I'm a bit of a, I like, you know, I like new things. I'm a bit of a freak like that. Do you know what I mean? I like unboxing new things. I don't necessarily like things that other people have owned, unless it's a, a deliberate, you know, unless it's a vintage thing. Do you know, I don't mind stuff having history like that, but I don't like stuff that's just had the shit knocked out of it. Do you know what I mean? And someone expects me <laughs> to buy it and go, well, what the f- what, what the hell but anyway that i mean that's me now and that leads me to the story of bloody buying this thing anyway so i'm sure i'm sure they were about 1500 1600 quid these things and i thought right i'm having me one of them so i mean at the time you know my dad were heavily into ebay and that is like well, why don't you use ebay which very much went against how i do things as i say but it was like well you know it would be nice to save a bit of money so i had a look and um there were one for 900 quid pretty sure it was 900 quid um in armley in leeds actually so it was you know it's only like 
10, 15 minutes down the road, if that really. So I thought, well, you know, I'll, um, I'll you know, sounds all right, that. So I did, I phoned the guy. I think I went phoning the guy anyway and going, yeah, I'll come over and look at it. But so anyway, I went and, you know, not to put it too bluntly, but fucking hell, the place were an absolute shithole. You know, I'm not talking about Armley in general. Like, you know, people can have their own opinions about that as they want. But you know, the 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 geezer's house, fucking hell, it was like a it was like a crack den or something. And I, I would just, on, oh, honestly, mate. I mean, I hope that I hope that lads don't, don't listen to my podcast. I hope he does. Get, he's about to get properly ratted on. I hope he's on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> For sale, two tickets to Temple Doosum. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, I went to this geezer's house in Armley, which, as I say, um, fine. But it wore a bit. When I walked in, it wore a bit of like, oh man. Well, if this guy treats his house like this, how's he treat his equipment? Anyway, I remember him walked in as, and there's this cog Triton in there that looks like it's been in a skip. Do you know what I mean? But it looks like <laughs> I had no idea what he'd done to it. I just thought, oh, that's had some fucking ever use, hasn't it? Um, and I just remember thinking, oh God, um, I don't really want to buy that. Do you know what I mean? Look at fucking state of it. And then I thought, well, come on, it's only a bit of grime and that, you know, just bloody, I'll just clean it up. And I thought, no, no, I can't do it, man. It just, and then he just, anyway, just went, oh, do you fancy having a spliff anyway? And I was just like, uh, (laughs) wow. Yeah. All right. Well, go on then. Go on. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, I ended up fucking giving him 900 quid for this bloody keyboard, didn't I? <laughs> Sat there thinking, I ain't buying this bloody thing. And I tell you what, even if I am, I'm only offering him 600 quid. Bloody hell. 20 minutes later, I give him fucking 900 quid. But anyway, and I, on, it was weird. Like I'd, 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 I drove away from there thinking, I shouldn't have bought that, man. Look at the fucking state of it. <laughs> Honestly, it took me about two and a half hours to clean that thing. I think I gave up. Gave, I have no idea what he'd been doing with it. No idea, but the thing, anyway, the thing worked absolutely fine. Anyway, that's what I kept telling myself. And the only reason I'd gone and buy, bought it really was to get to that bloody noise that I wanted. So, you know, the very next day, off I go, starting effectively to record strength in, or to start spawning what became strength in numbers. And I think that was the, that, I remember that was one of the first times in ages that I'd been excited by some of I was doing, or even musically. Do you know what I mean? Because when you when you're in that sort of jamming environment and everyone's got their own sort of you know the way they the way they play and their own sound and everything you kind of not not don't get me wrong you don't get bored of what everyone else is doing but as a result of you being bored of your own ideas no one else is kind of projecting any confidence in theirs do you know what i mean it's a very collective thing is spawning an idea and all being on board with it being great um and that, you know, saying that actually, that brings back to mind, which is something that's always been very rare with us, but like times where we'd have like little conflicts about, oh, well, I don't like these songs. Do you know what I mean? In the very early days, it were often like um, Phil, for example, a lot of times Phil would be like, oh, you know, because I think Phil very much wanted to do things that were really, really different. Do you know what I mean? Which added dramatically to our sound in a great way. Mm. Um, but there was all there was often and i'm talking really early days like when we were playing at the church hall and stuff which i don't think we've talked about that i don't even think we talked about practicing in church hall and all that shit you've made reference to it but I, I, we haven't really chewed on it you know we just i you have mentioned it i think just to say Pete, that was the strangest noise i've ever fucking heard let's carry on but the noise you just made before saying that sentence was the strangest noise i've ever heard <laughs> i didn't know what the fuck was going on but yeah let's carry on yeah um and I think as well that that point 
brings me to another point about strength in that I think that one thing that strength lacks is like the drama that I think the first two records have got massively more the first record. Like there's loads of bits of drama in the first record. Do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of drama, a lot of dramatic moments, not as drama sounds wrong, dramatic moments, I should say more big dramatic, emotional moments. Um, the second album has that in spade. The third album does have it, but it comes from it. It comes from a different um, place. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it comes more from the song on the third album, like drugs. Like drugs has got those moments. Drugs has got drama, uh, dramatic moments, but they're not necessarily what I'd think of as kind of music, musical ones. In the same way, like too high. Do you know what I mean? The the amount of musical drama that's going on in that, or human, or walls, or you know, hell. Or, any of the buddy tracks off the first album and i think that's what phil always was fighting to bring uh and well i think in a lot of those senses it, it was phil controlling the builds and stuff which we've talked about before in like a, a, a dance uh a dance music sense that 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 played a lot into it but um and i think all those elements um you know came into play with the with the third album as well and so there we were, effectively. Me and Robert sit in my in my front bedroom in house, and I mean, I that entire street must have hated me. I don't know. I never really cared about stuff like that, honestly. I've, I've, I mean, you know, like I had that fucking loud. Honestly, I had that loud. My neighbours, um, Mark and Claire, uh, Mark and Claire Inman, they'll have heard the third album getting made. Everybody song. Um, and and my brother would be on nights do you know what I mean my brother when he was uh, was in the police at that point I think he was in the police at that point either either way he were on shift work and he'd be trying to sleep and me and Robert would be like fucking hell you know what I mean trying to do a track here fucking hell he's asleep get your earplugs in son it's going up loud fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) but honestly yeah um, I had to be careful with bloody windows because I had it I had it well I had it fucking proper studio loud do you know what I mean I've got some massive monitors that I use Um, I always wonder like like so for example the guy with the triton and and maybe even some of those neighbors i wonder if you know like for the guy with the triton i wonder if he even knows that he sold this piece of equipment that eventually became <laughs> the tool that made these great songs like does he is he aware of that <laughs> i doubt i doubt it i don't think i even told him i were in a band really <laughs> it's honestly mate, I've, 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 I've never saw myself like that even back yeah. then i never saw myself like that and I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But especially back then, I never took, like I say, I just never, I don't know really. It was, I was all that in terms of that situation. Anyway, I was just there by a keyboard. Do you know what I mean? He didn't sort of know I was. I'll tell you what as well. If I'd told him I were in a bloody band, it'd have been like, Oh, it's uh, the price has gone up now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's probably a good job. I didn't tell him I were in a band. Um, but no, um, he was a sound guy. He was a sound guy. It just it was it went against the grain of what I do to buy something that was so filthy, man. I had to clean the shit out of that thing. <laughs> but I got a great track out of it, and loads, loads of other great tracks as well. I mean, that were all over that record. Was that that synth doing all sorts of stuff, doing extra drum bits and all sorts of sounds? And because we we were using uh, we were using like a lot of sequences as well. I'll add Depeche Mode, like I've you know, like I've been talking about a lot of sequences to to generate ideas, and that was the the beauty of being in the studio. And the thing was, more than anything, it was about activating Rob. You know what I mean? Like the way I was thinking and going about what I was doing, 
you know, that kind of coincided with needing to activate Rob in that sense. And I think that's what happened. So if you think about it, like for God knows how many years up till that point, Rob's stood in a room with us three and we've played, you know, I play my guitar, Phil's played his drums, Stu's played his bass in the way that we do. And yeah, we can, we use effects and stuff and shit sounds trippy, but when you strip all that away and you suddenly put like, um, just a sequencer in there, just doing something really cool, simple and melodic, it just, it's an, it's an entirely different world. Hmm. And I think one thing, I think one thing that brought that home for me, and this is an interesting thing to talk about. Actually, probably interesting to talk about it with Rob. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much I've talked to you about this, Pete. But so during that time, we were really struggling to create and write songs, and you know, struggling to inspire Rob. Rob was struggling to come up with stuff. Whatever during that time, anyway, um, a sort of dance outfit of what I knew was a dance outfit called Express Two um, asked Rob to do some vocals on a track. You know what I mean? Um, which at the time I remember, you know, probably well, quite unfairly now on reflection, but I remember being a bit like, well, you know, we're kind of in a situation where we're struggling to come up with stuff. Um, you know, it didn't sit entirely right with me because it was like, well, surely efforts should be here. But, you know, um, I did think, well, you know, is, is in a situation where he's not coming up with stuff at the moment and we're not, not necessarily he's not, but, you know, he's not as a result of the fact that we're not. So I thought, you know, it'd be good, you know, it, 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 what's good for him is good for us and what's good oh, yeah. for the whole situation. But anyway, I remember I remember when he'd done this track anyway and he played it to us and I was just like, it's fucking ace, man. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, that's really cool and it's got, like, the lyrics of cool as well and i think that was an eye-opening moment for me that kind of probably was uh, an element of a catalyst to all that process was the fact that it, it put rob in a different sonic with different stuff going on and you know it would bring out all that excitement again in the same way that let give me pro tools and loads of keyboards and guitars and loads of other synths and sequences to make noise and you'll see me come alive again so that, as I say, that Express 2, Kill 100 it's called. Um, just a really vibey track, man. Really simple, really vibey track. And, you know, that coincided with me getting well into the mode, like I say, all that electronics element. And I think, you know, that kind of pushed things. But that did really open my eyes to the fact of, well, yeah, you know, you change that element and look what it's done for Rob, you know, sort of coming up with different ideas and that. And obviously as well, when you're, when you're in the practice room all playing at full volume, it's difficult, if not, well, it is impossible to kind of stop and go like, well, what about this or melody or what about that? Especially in a situation where Rob's feeling uninspired or struggling for melodies because... Uh, as Rob talked about on the podcast, uh, you know, after the band, he's gone to some lengths to sort of uh, use different melodies, uh, use different methods to come up with melodies. You know what I mean? Or um, as he would talk about, you know, finding your favorite song and sort of taking elements from that. So there was definitely an element of, you know, that jadedness leading to a, a lack of excitement about your own melodies. And again, that's what was great about me and Rob sitting down because I had shitloads of ideas for that. And I, you know what I mean? And was the ideal time and setting to to mess about with that stuff because that and that's what we do do you know what i mean we get a little sequencer up rob and, and start vibing over it and i kind of sit there and be like oh shit man this is awesome I mean, that's that's exactly how drugs came about it was just the you know the, the little sequencer thing that it starts with we had that going and then rob started doing vocal started doing that vocal and then it got to the drugs bit 
but he did that. He was doing that. He was doing that at the same pitch as the verse. You know, it was just kind of doing it low. And I was listening to this, and I was just thinking, shit, I've got an idea. Then, and I was like, right, stop. And this is this is the difference. You see, I were able to go, and this would usually take months. This could take months and months and months, ten months to refine a song. You know, it was it was it was over really quickly because they were vibing over that sequencer. I was listening, and then I was like, right, okay, stop. What we need to do is that bit you just did that that which was the drugs melody i'm like do that an octave above and let's put let's shift fucking d and then sort of some massive fifths and open it up into that that, that wide chorus do you know what i mean and then uh. and, well exactly and then the, rob's like oh yeah man that sounds awesome so we straight back into pro tools right okay so let's get that beat going you sing that in there's a mic slinging the mic and he's you know doing his thing and i'm capturing it capturing the best bits uh framing it all up and that and i'm like right so then you start putting all the pianos all and the big guitars the big crescendo guitars when it opens up into that chorus because that's the, that's the thing that i that's the that's the thing that I was chasing as soon as the as soon as this music was happening around me, which you know the sort of producer in me, I think. Um, I was just like, oh god, I can just this is just building tension, yeah. And that's what drugs is. And as I think as I sit here now, sort of playing it back in my own head, that's what drugs is. It's building musical tension, and that's what was happening. It's like when you know when you've got that build, you've got to release it, haven't you? And that that's why the chorus of that tune just works so fucking well, even if it is another case of. I mean, I always did this. Uh, Rob did it to himself as well, but I, I, I sort of pushed him into these corners as well. Where I'm like, right, do that an octave above. And you're like, you're any idea how fucking high that is. It's like, oh, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And um, he'd literally do it behind me. Do you know what I mean? And I remember when he do it, singing that top chorus line on drugs, thinking this is going to be one of them sort of sung once in a lifetime kind of things because you're yeah, not going to be able yeah. to do that every night on fucking stage. But yeah, I just think that Look, taking drugs as an example, and um, there's lots more we can talk about, and I quite liked them actually because it was a very different process that you can go into. I can talk about it a little bit more rather than well, it just fucking naturally formed, didn't it? Well, I don't even bloody know. Yeah, in this yeah. in this instance, it was the polar opposite. As I say, when it would take us so long to come up with a tune, suddenly we were in a situation where we had complete control, and it was like, right, we can stop when we want, do what we want, and come up with these ideas, and you know, once. Drugs happened in a day. Do you know what I mean? Less, you know, Rob used to come round. What time did he come round? He used to come round about 10, half 10. And we just worked till about four. Well, it depends. It depends what we're working on. Do you know what I mean? And I think back to this process now so fondly. Um, to be fair, I loved it because, well, it was just amazing. It, wow. And that's what I have to say. That chorus, <laughs> that chorus yeah, kicks the door open, man. Like the, there's so much buildup. And then as soon as the chorus comes in, man, yeah, the release, the, I just, the, I envision like doors just being kicked open. And then it's like, yeah. That, and that, oh boy, yeah. That's not one you can sing along to very well, though, in the same octave. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's a perfect example of getting on an idea with someone else. And we used to do it as the music, but silently, even though we'd be playing loud, but, that's not the same as sitting there doing it and going, oh, this is awesome, man. Well, what about that? And both getting visually excited about it. You know, enthusiasm is um, contagious. And when you've got two people who get really vibed up, like me and Rob, sort of sat there going, what about this? What about that? And, it, you know, then we wrote that middle eight really quickly. And yeah, Pro Tools, you just, it gives you the opportunity to just build this track up. And then we would... Um, you know, te effectively take that to the studio with the lads and go, right, well, this is effectively the song and off we go. And then they'd sort of refine their parts. And obviously, you know, yeah, definitely. I remember that it, it was like kind of tinged though with a little bit of uneasiness really, because I think me and Rob felt quite 
weird about how we were doing it. Um, almost guilty because we kind of wrote as a just as a four piece forever. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. That's a, it, that's a tough subject. I was going to ask you that. I was curious how I wondered if that was even sensitive or not, but because it seemed like, you know, the early records were, um, you know, this collaboration of jamming and everybody contributing. And uh, whereas what you're saying right now seems like some of this was sort of a, a two person collaboration. And obviously, I'm sure that the other two had some part in it, but I'm curious how that, if any, if that created any tension. Well, I mean, just to clarify, I wouldn't say it was a two-part collaboration. I'd say the the genesis and the, the spawning of the the sort of main ideas of the song. Do you know what I mean? And how the song was laid out. That was probably you know initially um, that was probably collaborated between me and Rob in that sense. But as I say, we'd then take that and Phil would put his own spin on the beat, and Stu would funk up the bass line and mess with the rhythms, and you'd be like, ah. you know, like, that makes it sound so much better. Like the last one, that's a good example. Um, Stu, what Stu did on the bass on that fucking track is absolutely wild and really adds so much to that. Well, yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't want it to kind of sound like, um, well, it, it was, it was slight. It, I mean, it, it did come with an element of uneasiness, but I, I didn't see an alternative. It was either that or we carry on being very, very uninspired. And, mm. you know, I, I mean, I'll say, and you know, I'm not sure we'd have got to a third record if that process didn't happen. I'm not sure we'd have even released third record if that process didn't happen because it, everything has stalled so much in us. Mm, yeah. You know, what I mean, our own desires, creativity, all that stuff had, had really stalled. And obviously, Rob was at a pot. You know, um, we don't. We all had our own struggles, and Rob was obviously struggling with. Um, you know his his own identity in a sense as a as a frontman as a, and as a person I suppose and it, it, something needed to happen and that's why it was a case of this feels a little bit sort of mean and like we're excluding Phil and Stu but you know they it's not they didn't they weren't against the idea Phil was like no it's a great idea do you know what I mean oh, okay. get get Rob get Rob excited it's a great idea you know when you when you sort of spending quite a few weeks doing that you know that then it can be like well what's happening do you know what i mean and then and then that's the point where you go down to the studio and start playing them as a band do you know what i mean which which we did and that's when we started incorporating you know because the thing was with that record as well is well certainly from the way i saw it anyway it was you know it had elements in it that were difficult to remove like i don't think you could play drugs without that sequencer and you can't you know you can't play you know I, unless you get a keyboard player who's going to play it, you can't play <laughs> yeah. that sequence. Someone has to act, that sequencer has to be going. So, you know, we had to look for ways to incorporate bits of these things on track. Do you know what I mean? Like the pianos and stuff on drugs and all the mandolins. There's fucking loads of mandolin in backing track of drugs. Do you know what I mean? There's shitloads of stuff because I just went nuts, mate. Especially yeah. if I was sat in my own house with my own fucking Pro Tools. You know what I mean? I'd just be like, right, I'm staying up till three in the morning putting 36 tracks of mandolin on this. Fair enough, in the morning, I might delete them all, but it don't matter. That is the beauty of having a piece of technology that is capable of, um, you know, uh, you can harness your own ideas and just go, bang, there you go. Especially when you, you know, you've savvy yourself up in terms of how to use it enough. But honestly, I mean, just going back to using Pro Tools, like Rick, every time Rick sees me use Pro Tools, he's like, you're doing that ass backwards, are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you're doing like 20 keystrokes when you could just do one. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I know, I know. He's like, just press this one. No, I'm not interested. No, I know my process. Go away. No, what are you doing? I don't... But like Rick's got that. He's like, no, no, you know, this way yeah. is better. 
Just That's press so one funny. key rather than all them. You know what you guys need to do is um, you need to when you when you t- if you go for these concerts, you need to have like you know how some bands have like um, an extra guy that's like a DJ and he has like his MacBook Pro up there and he's like in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah he can handle all the sounds, you know, like for the people and all the different all the different sounds that are like Ooh. that you can't reproduce live. You know, just have a guy up there with a MacBook Pro playing sound playing all the different. Pieces. Well, I mean, Pete, that's what we had. We are, but we didn't have a guy doing it. We had it all like done by MIDI and stuff. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Everything. I don't know how much you understand about MIDI, but it was all MIDI synced up, and it was in some really expensive fucking rack computer shit for these switches and all sorts of. It brought with it a lot of. Um, um, but we started playing the clicks as well, which was something that uh, you know made us more locked in. But I don't, you know, maybe there's some people who say that took an element away from his live experience. But we, you know, when I look at some gigs versus others, I'm like, fucking hell, what tempo are we playing there? Is this a fucking thousand mile an hour version of something? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but then the alternative is like, I can't imagine like disco on a track, you know, because that thing goes, exactly, exactly, but that, 12 I mean, different speeds. Exactly, Pete, exactly. But there you go. You have hit the nail kind of on the head in 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 representing and finding a good uh, example of the difference between the music we're making and view versus that you know the music we were making for that record. And don't get me wrong, as well, I know that there's quite a lot of people that don't put the third album in the same bracket as the first two, um, which which is entirely fair enough. And it's very it's difficult to talk about dispassionately, obviously. Well, I'll tell you right now. I can. I'm sitting here staring at the track list, and there are some, <laughs> some killers on here. I mean, we'll, hopefully, we'll eventually do a walkthrough, and we don't have to name all of them. But my goodness, the left side is so funky. You know, you know, vision is amazing. Uh, obviously, fire. You know, has like its own. You know, it's definitely one of those hype up tunes. There's so many on this album, and not to for, forget, obviously inconceivable odds yeah. <laughs> and, and no danger i mean but man if, if if you can't appreciate this album which i don't think people would say that but yeah this album is uh pretty heavy it's just different in it it's just it's a it's different to the other two we made it in a different way it was written in a different way and funnily enough actually you mentioned fire uh fire was probably one of the only tracks that was was born out of the old methods. Do you know what I mean? That was born out of jamming. Fire was very much us for locked, just in a room playing, which is interesting that it's on the record though, because it, it you know, I suppose it, it brings that old, that old flavor, but you know, like strength in numbers does. Do you know what I mean? I, I think strength in numbers is kind of so typically us. You know what I mean? In terms of its oh, yeah. dance roots and that, I just think it, instead of having like a big guitar, if it's got that big synth riff, <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, which I don't know if, if everyone went for, but we've never been, and I've never been someone that's been like, oh, you'd rather I did that? All right, I'll do that. <laughs> I've just got to do what comes naturally to me. And So how many songs do you think uh, will uh, that you guys will be start using from the third album? I mean, hopefully quite a few, but I'm curious, uh, have you guys discussed mm. sort of a you know, set list of ones that, are there any in the third album that you guys think like are in that core of like, yeah, we are definitely playing these. Well, fascinating, fascinating subject, Pete. And it's kind of why we've been having this conversation because we've been having this very conversation of, because again, more sort of boring context in a sense, but for example, all the stuff I just talked about us putting together, all the track and stuff and all the treat of computers, MacBook Pros in rack mounted bloody switching things all that when where you know when we kind of split up it i think the computers died and god knows about all the rest of it 
So we are at that very juncture, coming closer to the gig, thinking about that very thing, Pete, being mm. completely blunt and honest and open about it. We're sat there going, right, if we want to play sort of pretty much any other than fire if we want to play any of these third album tracks we're going to have to look into how we're going to do that do you know what i mean in terms of uh, what technology we're going to use um and like back in the day it wasn't so much of an issue because we were what you'd refer to as a functioning business back then you know if you want to look at it like that we were a functioning business we were still turning over money to be able to go yeah all right you know 10 or 15 grand on a computer setup if it's necessary it's necessary but obviously we're not we're not in that situation now do you know what i mean where this is very much a one-off so we're kind of in that quandary of i mean some people might find this boring i don't know but these are the things that we're talking that's happening you know you're in that quandary of well what what we're going to use and what what are we going to put into what we're going to use do you know what i mean and technology's changed so much as well so so yeah and that is a question we've been asking ourselves pete and it doesn't in any way taint that third record, but you probably have to take into account how many of the songs from the third record we ever played fully anyway, which is some that we didn't. But did you do Spike? Well, we did. Yeah, we are at the point where we're like, what are we going to, you know, what tracks we're going to do? But that's another interesting point. Could we do Spike and stuff like that? Like for me, Spike's another one that's got loads of key elements that if they're not there, it becomes something very different. And I, I especially got very locked into that, um, wanting to try and recreate the record as much as possible and not having a live experience that was so obviously deviated from the, if deviated is the right word in this context, deviated from um, the record itself. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to, because I don't know if I said like when, obviously we weren't really talked about, well, you know, we, I can have more, we can have more conversations about this record because we haven't talked about the producer process and all that sort of stuff but i remember flood saying oh this should sound really punky and stripped back and i just thinking well i remember saying no it shouldn't you know what i mean it needs to sound like this <laughs> yeah and because of you know certain things but i mean again maybe in retrospect maybe you know like because he was talking i think he was talking specifically about the spike he thought it should be very punky he thought it should uh, sound yeah. very very kind of well, you know, sort of dry, in-your-face, punky, whereas I always kind of envisaged it. Because you have to understand as well, me sat here, like I was birthing these tracks. Do you know what I mean? So it was, and it's like in the same way that, you know, when we talked to Will Jackson and Phil got funny when Will were like, we need to cut this song down. I kind of, because I was working all night on these tracks at home, do you know what I mean? It's sort of, and putting my identity in a lot of the texture of them, mm-hmm. I became quite attached to that, I'll say, I, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like, And when someone was wanting to change that, I think it was... I mean, I've always been quite a control freak in lots of ways. I, I, control freak sounds wrong because it suggests a desire to control no matter what, whereas I've just always been a slave for my own ideas and I'll knock people out of the way to realize my own ideas because it's it's not a case of listening to them going no it's like sorry you're not big enough to be i i'm going to i'm going to do this and find out if it works or not rather than just not even trying i have to it's a compulsion you know what i mean mm-hmm. the sort of thing where someone has to switch a light off, a, a light switch 40 times before they can go to bed at that moment in time it's like i have to do this you have to let me do, you know i need to put this guitar part down or try this idea or you know um 
I don't know. I've always had a strong idea of what I want musically, I guess. Um, which is probably why I'm having so much fucking fun now because every day is just a circus of sounds in this house. Honestly, I don't know what the fucking neighbors think nowadays. Like shit either, but <laughs> honestly, um, and it does remind me, that's probably why this topic came up. It does remind me of making strength in numbers. So I've been in that front bedroom at my other house, but in that instance, we Rob sort of, slamming these tracks out and then seeing the lovely old deer from up the road sort of walk out of her house and walk down the street just looking up at the fucking house thinking what the bloody hell is going on in there (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean it just brings back all their memories because that's what I'm doing again now Um, sort of you know just getting really excited about making tunes albeit on my own but that's the fucking beauty of patron man because I get to share it with people and that's what I miss the most that's what I miss the most you know getting excited with someone about an idea and going, this is great man let's get on it that's so different when you do it with someone else when, mm-hmm. than when you do it with yourself um although i just you know create imaginary people in my head to have conversations with anyway so it doesn't really matter that much <laughs> you know it's always great when you've got a primary resource anyway but yeah it was you know that there was a lot of magic in that process and getting excited about the ideas and um that you know that record very much had its own identity um and I just think it was a process we had to go through, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I think we're all really proud of the record and everyone put their own stamp on it. And, you know, what's great about it as well is going back to Rob and Nick Carter on the artwork. That was that was a really cool thing that we were excited about doing. Um, and the artwork is great on that third album as well. But, yeah, I mean, we have talked to probably enough about it for now and my throat is getting pretty dry and I'm getting hungry. So, yeah. I think it's getting to that point where we'll um, we'll wrap things up. But yeah, um, I've enjoyed talking about all that really. And as I say, as I'm starting to wrapping up, there's loads of other bits I could sort of put in to give it more context. And um, I will a little later there, I'm sure. But yeah, for now, uh, thank you very much everyone for listening. And we will let the prom king get back to his renovations. I'm sure you're moonlight. I'm sure you're moonlighting, Pete. <laughs> But yeah, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. Thank you. Bye. Put on my uh, construction hat now. (laughs) 